0: I want to welcome you to the new Drag Champ Show. The three amigos are leading this show, none other than Jake Hodge, Mr. Hudrich, Ryan Gleghorn, and Gary Don Free, Mr. Drag Champ himself. Now, I wouldn't ride to the store with these three yahoos, but you put them together for some good old stories, some racing news, some results from all over the world. Now, that's a party you just don't want to miss, so let's tune in, let's hang on, and let's get it on. I want to welcome you to the Drag Champ Show. So
1: this evening, it's the Drag champ show, and it's not like my show or Ryan's show or Gary's show. It's our show, and our guests are you know with us, and it's all our show. So Big Joe, why don't you introduce who we have on the podcast tonight?
2: Well, we have the, the young man that has won the richest-paying footbreak race in history, and that is one Caleb Ellison, the man of the hour, so to speak, for footbreak racing. And, of course, I'm here. So,
1: I mean, it'd be like Forbes man of the year, right? Like not even just the hour.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. (laughs) Man of the decade. Some would say the next big thing. Yeah, you would say that, the next big thing. He has been called that before. So he's from Beaver Creek,
1: Ohio. He's 21 years old, and he is the offspring of Boomer Ellison, which he looks nothing like Boomer, acts nothing like Boomer until they have enough Bud Light together because he is now 21 years old. (laughs) Um, Caleb, uh, has it sank in yet, and also has has Greg kissed you on the mouth yet?
0: I've not seen Greg yet. (laughs) But no. <laughs> Greg but Greg's called me well the night it happened, he called me seven times within an hour, I think. And it has sank in finally. That's yes.
1: it. You, you want hundred thousand dollars <laughs> off the foot and that's what we it, did. It's, it's uh, sank it's, in. It
0: sank, yeah. sank in. I mean, I look at the check every day, but but it has sank in. i I guess I'm just kinda moving on to the next week now. I, fig- I figured I figure I'd go race lo- locally last week and get my butt kicked and I I didn't, but
1: Hey, you missed your brownie point chance right there. You, you could have said, I look at the check every day, but I, it's hard to take my eyes off Bailey. <laughs> You'll learn. Uh,
2: hey, Aud, uh, one thing I'll tell you, he's looking at the big check. Because the one that he got that actually had the money on it, I think it went through the bank at uh, 8.59 on Monday morning. I mean, <laughs> these guys, they, they – and I don't blame them. They probably wasn't very sure these things were good, so – they went out there and got those put through very quickly. I'm kidding. I don't have any idea when Caleb put it in the bank.
1: <laughs> well, whenever you got somebody promoting the race works for Caterpillar,
2: the check's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they make more money than they can spend.
3: <laughs> Caleb, you see these uh, drag champ Race of the Month trophies right over my shoulder? Can you yeah, see I those two see up there? I do. Yeah, there might be one with your name on it coming soon.
0: <laughs> they look real
3: good. Little little September action going on there. Yeah, these two are going to get mailed out pretty quick. We haven't announced the winners, but we will soon. But uh, yeah, your win hundred k off the bottom. I mean, pretty impressive, huh? Yeah, I felt like it was.
1: <laughs> I, told, I told Ryan, I told Ryan he needed to simmer down a little bit on Saturday because it would look bad. You know, and people would say house cars and such, and it wasn't the case. You know. I
0: don't so know I was, if I could picture that wagon in the winner's circle for hundred thousand dollars.
1: Me, either, so I told him to chill out. That's not our speed. We'll, we'll win the, the you know runner up the Thursday. We'll be good.
3: Yeah, yeah, after all that talk, I mean, I look up and, and see Leghorn in the final of the gambler's race. I'm like, hell, these guys might have a shot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you That's what, like. I can marry. I can fix the battery charger with the damn best stuff. And that's about all I did. <laughs> he kept calling me, Hey, I broke the battery charger again.
2: Well, he broke the rear end and converter in one pass and you put lug studs in the front of it. And he was back going again. So <laughs> hey, no, 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 heck of a mechanic, sir.
1: We, we did not put lug studs in the front of it. He calls me as the, the, it, the unfortunate Bailey Ferraro incident, which I called was going to happen in the time run that morning. I'm sorry. It's my fault. Um, but he calls me as we're cleaning up the racetrack, and he says, hey, the Planetary broke. so I put a parts call out for anybody that's got a spare transmission? Heck, I'll buy one if I got to. It's 100 grand, you know. And uh, he calls me back. It's not the Planetary. It's the rear end. So I just look at uh, I look at Terra, which is Ryan's best half, and say, I'll be back. I'm going to go down there. I just start it, rip it in low, and stomp the gas, and it spits a lug stud out of it. <laughs> it's all fine and dandy. We didn't put any lug studs in it. We just robbed one from the other side and make it four and four.
2: Oh, that's all you need anyway.
1: Yeah, Vegas were four lugged from the factory. I don't know why we're worried about it.
2: Yeah. And yeah, they went I, fast the day they were produced. So
1: <laughs> No, they yeah. didn't. You're fine. No.
2: You're right, Gary.
4: <laughs> the best so, part was uh, rolling up for my second entry and being like, hey, bud, uh, you might just kind of look out because I don't know if this thing's going to go straight or it might go to your lane or I'm not quite sure because I didn't test it. I just rolled it right back up here. So your best option is probably to be red. That way you're in front of me when this thing tries to start crashing. <laughs> <laughs> what well, were you talking about when I moved the rear end three inches to the right and just sent it? Oh, no, right
1: after we put the lugs in it. And I was like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm missing one over here. Uh, well, I, this, I don't know where... this isn't about us. Caleb, something I, I wanted to know is that your driving style at Barry's obviously run to run. You could have went a few, thousand under a lot of the runs. A lot of the runs you were dialed pretty hard and then – you have a car that's dialed 850 in the final round, you know, and you haven't seen that all day long or all weekend for that matter. Did that change your thought process moving into that, you know, the biggest final that really any footbreaker's ever been in? No pressure.
0: <laughs> um, no. The car was – the last four runs before the finals, it moved 1,000 to the 330. And I thought I could go a 50 – in the semis, I went 53 with a 9 – but I killed like six tenths of a mile an hour. So I was probably going like 53 with a five right around there. And, uh, when I came back, Adam Davis and, and Edmund were like, what are you going to dial? I said, "653." I'm not lifting. And, uh, Edmund's like, uh, Edmund's like, I would dial 54. And I was like, listen, I was like, if I go out there and go 54 wide open and lose by 10,000, you know, it happens, but it's not meant to be. But I said, I'm dialing 53 and I'm not lifting because the car is so good. And, uh, I was really confident. I mean, I, the thing with Sexton is—is is I watched him at Piedmont and I watched him in Bristol, and he'll be dialed sixty-two or fifty-two, whatever he was going. I forget, and um, he'll be—he can show you four under. But it's so weird how he does it run to run, like how he kills it. And um, when Siegel went red to him in the semis, I saw him go. What do you go eight forty-eight or eight fifty-eight? What was he running?
1: He went, he went 48 in the semi. He,
0: yeah, he dialed 52. Yeah, he went 48 on a 52, and I saw it, and that's why I said I'm down a 53, because he was going to dial a 52, and I knew he had to kill it. Well, I mean, I think he had to kill it. So we took off, and I knew I hit it decent, and I just saw his front end going – or I saw his front end kind of dropping a few times, whether it was the bumps at Bristol or it was him <laughs> riding the break. I don't know. It, like, it, it kind of made me nervous. I was like, well, he's killing it, so – and uh, and then I, I went down there. I could tell I was going to get there, and I lifted. I think I gave it one or two little rips, and then I drugged the brake. And when I went through I was like, oh, you got behind. And I looked up and saw the wind light, and obviously I stopped real quick and turned around, but I knew it was close. And then you guys told me I was like 22, take out, it'd be two over. I mean, like an idiot, because I just told you I was going dead on wide open. It did pick up. I was going about three or four thousand under wide open, so it's I'm lucky I lifted, but um, the car was unreal. I could trust it all day. It it I mean, I I try not holding when I don't have to. So having a car that I could depend on really really helped my case.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if you listened to the other drag racing podcast or not, but they were debating on how many times you had actually set in great car, and I think that was like the second, right?
0: Uh, yeah, I, third. I raced it WFC and I raced it and Balington one night
2: and then the Hunter Grander which is racing at the good times is about like racing the hundred Grander I mean it's it's <laughs> it's three all on all its own you so.
0: you can't beat that place but when I raced it we left Huntsville because um we finished early and rushed back there to make it and I didn't even get a time run I had to enter first round and I, I just made a time run to get a see what I could run so I bought back and then some some random guy laid 22 dead six on me, and I was, like, 35 up front. So, I only made two runs. It was a waste of my time. I know how you feel.
4: <laughs> it's okay. Adam Davis probably won that night,
2: too. Uh,
0: yeah, he probably, he probably <laughs> did.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and Adam Adam deserves a lot of credit because he put that hot rod together for Heinz, So. Oh, man. I, I mean, obviously,
0: if you guys ask me at the end of the show who I'm going to thank, he's going to be included. But, like – To see him as excited as he was made that situation so much cooler because, I mean, he puts in so much work on that car to make it what it is. And, uh, I mean, Saturday morning, I went 652 in my time run, and I went over to Adam, and I said, hey, did you pick up today? He said, yep, I went 652. But that – I'm pretty sure that was his goal, was to set his car up and Heinz car up the same way. And, obviously, they're set up the same way, so –
1: well, I've talked to Adam Davis a lot. You know, every time I see him, I make sure I talk to him. And, like, he don't ever talk back to me because that's just not Adam Davis. And uh, my and he was screaming and hollering and very un-Adam Davis-like. And oh, yeah. I, I start to see where all these old Adam Davis stories come into play that Jed doesn't want to allude to ever. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, <laughs> I well,
0: I, I mean, Adam, I was at Adam's house a week before that race, the Hunter Grinder and uh, we were all standing around and he told all of us he said I'm going to go to this race I'm going to win and I'm going to take my car to the body shop get it painted and put it on jack stands and retire until Dawson my son's ready to race you know a big car and we kept telling him like you're not going to retire you don't, like you'll miss it he's like no I'm not going to miss it I'm going to retire and he, I mean he's honest though with people he he tells people he doesn't have fun doing it he just does it for the money and um and that's what even his wife and I texted about, like, he was he was excited. And it was really cool to see him so excited for that moment. And uh, I've I watched that Motor Mania video, I mean, quite a bit of times, just for multiple reasons. But you can hear Adam yelling on that Motor Mania video <laughs> in the final, it's so funny, so.
2: It is hard to get him excited. And uh, he, was, he was getting more and more excited as the, the rounds, as the wind lights were clicking, for sure. Do you think
1: Adam was more excited or Boomer? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Definitely yeah. Boomer. There was a <laughs> lot of spilt Bud Light.
0: Oh, I bet. I, I never saw I never saw much of his reaction in, like, the videos. Like, Larry Martin took a pretty good one. Brody Quick took one. But Brody ended his right after the final because he said he was going to start cussing like crazy and he didn't want to put it all over Facebook. So, And then I saw the Motor Mania one. And I, I my dad's reaction wasn't really in any of them. But uh, from what everybody said, he was – excited so you know you grew up in the
1: the land of the jason fords and your brother and all of the bad dudes off the bottom and in your local track in ohio um do you i mean can you think of a time where like the switch just got flipped or were you just nasty from you know i guess we had to start racing at 16 around here because Uh, i feel like i feel like you had to get your teeth kicked in there for a little bit by those guys right
0: well it's funny i mean jason ford and doug kaplinger um, like Kevin Bishop who drives the Mighty Mouse Camaro all those guys I always looked up to growing up and then Edmund when he started racing big cars and Edmund started so fast or his, his success came so fast that I felt like I had a lot to prove when I started and um, I felt like I did fairly well when I was 16 I I always um, enjoyed running Ford or Caplinger because I knew it was going to be a good run and I um, But when I was 16, Jason Ford and I would text a lot, and he would honestly, he would give me a lot of good pointers or even mention stuff to me that if I didn't get it all the way and try and help me understand it. So those guys really helped me along with my my driving. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better group of mentors off, off the bottom. I'm shocked that Kyle Beavers wasn't one of your mentors. <laughs> Kyle B. around man. Yeah, that's my buddy. I actually just ran him over the weekend off the bottom. But uh, um, Kyle kicked me around in juniors when we were kids. He beat me for like two or three track, cha- uh, track championships, and he still lets me know it every day. So. But <laughs> Kyle's, bread and, Kyle's bread and butter is top bulb. Kyle's he's
1: nasty.
0: Oh, oh yeah. He's, oh, oh, off the top bulb, I'd put him up against anybody. And that Oldsmobile, when, it, when it's on, it's on. But when it's off, it moves like 500s.
1: Yeah, if you put Kyle in a really good top bulb car, then it's it's probably going to be over, especially in one that's a little bit faster.
0: Yeah, his Oldsmobile goes seven O's or six nineties. It's a three speed. It shifts like twice in a second. It feels like because how fast it shifts, but and and he drives the wheels off of it.
1: Big Jed, whenever you were getting ready for this this big Labor Day one hundred KFC, um, what I mean. You had a, I mean, obviously, we've got a short list whenever we put an event together of who we think's probably going to win a lot of this stuff. Um, what was your biggest surprise through the weekend other than Caleb winning it?
2: Oh, that's a great question, Jake. Uh, <laughs>
1: other than Gleghorn, because we were all shocked. That's what I was going to say. Every time his yes. wind light like, came on, I looked at Riggins and said, Did that just freaking happen?
2: <laughs> it did. Uh, Honestly, there wasn't a whole lot of surprises. I think Nathan Sexton was a bit of a surprise just because it's one thing to take a, a, a street type vehicle to Piedmont and with the consistent weather pattern and stuff there that it's pretty good. But Bristol usually throws that type of car curveballs that they can't be hit. So uh, Nathan, although I, I'm, I'm obviously blown away by his talent, I, I know that's. Very high level, but usually it just throws the car a curveball that you can't hit. And it, his car just seemed to, to be really good. It was it was putting up very consistent numbers. And as Caleb mentioned, you know he can show you he can show you under if he wants to. I don't know if he does that with a shift. Um, he's got a drop spot. He drops often. Uh, got a nice spot. So uh, that surprised me a little. And again, has nothing to do with his talent. Just kind of what Bristol throws at a car like that and then um you know as far as uh surprises of late round finishers um didn't really have that i wasn't surprised by ryan i've seen ryan race before now he doesn't drive a whole lot of cars he gets a lot of laps in but ryan can race he knows what's up so i i I want to throw a little shade on you there rg but that just wasn't really right Uh, it didn't surprise me you you got a lot of talent i mean you've been on fire there you've Driven like a donkey at times, but you know who hasn't been on fire? Driven like a donkey at Bristol. We've all done it.
4: A lot of people actually. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, no, it, it was neat though. It just uh, the best I could explain. it was like, look, you know, everything I've driven here goes like six thirties or six or slower, and I'm a little retarded, <laughs> so I needed something that left a little faster for me to put break it.
2: Hmm. You guys are rough over here. You know what? Uh, Jen, yeah. Just
1: just so you know, I did maintenance it after Ryan put 40-something runs on it, and I could take the distributor and just spin it with my index finger.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah.
1: And the, was... last,
4: the last run, I sprayed it for, th- like, at least 200 feet. So. We were going <laughs> fast.
2: <laughs> you know, I want to hear from Caleb, because I haven't heard from anybody, really, and I thought it was one of the coolest things, and I'm not trying to Toot our horn by any means, but I went to Steve kind of early in this thing and said, "There's going to be a discussion somewhere. We could see where it was going to fall. 25-13. So there's going to be a discussion somewhere. Why don't you? Because Steve's great at these type things. Why not you sit down, put some splits together, and just try to make this as easy as you can on the racers? Because when it's time, ever how many there are, I'm going to take them in the conference room. Get everybody else out of the way. Racers only." in the conference room with Steve and I, and, and we're going to talk about it. So I want to hear from Caleb about that part of it, that the, when the discussion was had at 13 Cars, Caleb, that, that couldn't have lasted more than three or four minutes total. Um, was that a lot easier for you, or did you think it was weird, or what, what was the thought there? Um,
0: no, I don't think it was weird. I think it was way easier because, I mean, we, I've not been involved for a split for that much money, but I've been involved in a few. And I mean, we all know there's a gathering and then so many people are trying to talk and it gets confusing and then it takes 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And um, so you guys did it the right way. I, and I liked how you went around and, and asked each, each person if they want to split because if they don't want to, then we don't have to deal with it. We don't even got, got to go in the conference room. And um, well, once we said we were all okay to talk about money, we went into the conference room and you guys... Had a piece of paper with the three different splits on it, and it got passed around one by one. And really, the first three people all agreed on um, the one split that we liked, and then everybody else agreed. So the paper didn't even make it, but halfway around, and we were all content with it, and, and walked back out. And I bet you it took two minutes, yeah, in the in the conference room. And we were all back out, and we were all getting in the cars. So it was great. I mean, I would definitely like to see more promoters do that.
2: Yeah, I think under Bigger Purse or Biggest Purse Purser, Biggest Purse events, um, that those guys could really save themselves some downtime and just a lot of confusion. So many people get involved. Every every track that hosts an event that's considered large purse has got a spot where the drivers and and the promoter can go and just get that settled real quick and again if you've got somebody good with the numbers and Steve's great with it somebody hash that out give them two or three options you know we we had two or three options you guys took the middle option which i thought was the most attractive and like you said it it went around the room didn't even get around the room for everybody said yeah whatever everybody wants to do i'm in so
0: yeah i never saw it i was the last person and i never me and ernie never saw it we were the last two so we all just agreed with it <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think you guys knew what it paid to win based on what everybody was saying. I like this amount as an option, and from there, which obviously showed confidence on your guys' part. You you were just really cared about what it was to win, and you all went back out and raced.
0: Well, I'll be honest.
2: I knew I had to buy to
0: seven, and like like you just said, you knew what it was to win. That's what you cared about. But when they said what number it was going to be to lose at seven, that did also – you know, kind of make me think like, well, if I do lose at seven, I'm content with this amount right here. So,
2: yeah, not bad at all.
3: So was that uh, after the conversation, was there – did you start thinking about the the amount to win or were you back down to just racing and not really worrying about it at that point because you knew your day had been made? No. (laughs) It
0: sounds funny. I never thought about it one time. Like the money, I never thought about it one time. And then once it was all said and done and I realized how much I got – um, I was like, dang, that's that's a lot. And and thinking and thinking back to what it would have been to lose here and lose there, it's like, man, the money difference is huge. Like, you know, <laughs> winning really helped.
2: So Yeah, but you know, to your guys' credit, y'all said it at thirteen and never discussed it again, never touched it, never did anything. So
0: No and and I, I mean
2: cool. as you know, Adam Adam was
0: gonna be like my my money man and he go in the conference awesome. room for me. But yeah, he is. But, and then going there for me, cause I didn't really want to deal with it. But then, uh, then I ended up going in there. But at, before the final, I told Adam, I said, should I talk money right here? And uh, he's like, let me call the uh, the owner. So he called Greg and Greg said, I'm happy with this amount and I'm happy with that amount. So we didn't talk money and Nathan didn't want to talk money. So when I got up there, I, I asked you, Jared, I said, can we go? And you said, yeah, we're ready when you are. And Nathan said he was ready. So we weren't up th- We weren't like in the lanes for probably two minutes before that final, and we were ready to go under the tower.
2: No, he was Both of you guys were ready to go, and I thought it was cool, and it was a it was a pretty epic moment for foot brake racing. It was cool.
3: Yeah, I guess it helps when you know either way you've got a big payday coming once you get to that point, right? Right,
2: yeah.
0: Well, and like, like you said, it, it does help. But, I mean, obviously, me driving for people all the time, my money gets split, but – like I said, when I won that final and then I thought about what runner-up I paid, I was like, man, it's a good thing I won that final because if I didn't, my money would have been way different. <laughs> so <laughs> I was I was happy I won that. It really helped. Yeah, imagine <laughs> you know, a
3: lot of people were happy and, about that.
0: And the big check made it that much cooler. We all know that. I mean – I think the coolest part was just, just
1: sitting down and, like, kind of just soaking it in in front of the towers whenever Jed was interviewing. You know, that was – that was like a, a eerie surreal feeling because most people you know are all hyped up in the winter circle, but like we sat down and bench race about it, and that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you guys soaked it in because I didn't soak it in, but um, <laughs> you, you, you were soaking something it in. in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was you yeah, got soaked I in was, something. <laughs> yeah, I did. I uh, it's funny when I went through the finish, well. Jared told me in the in the lanes. He said, "Hey, no matter what, come back up the uh, the side road next to the track." I said, if I win this thing, I'm turning around on the track. And he said, hey. he said, well, more power to you. If you want to turn around on the track, if you win, do it. So when I saw my wind light, I just, I grabbed the brake pedal. And then I was like, you know what? Nathan's so slow. I got to make sure I don't turn in front of him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm being serious. So I so I grabbed the brake pedal and I was looking back, looking back. And right when he passed me, I cut the wheel and I just tried to make sure I didn't hit the wall or nothing. But, um, and then I came back up the track and it's funny, but I stopped because Green and Bailey were the first ones to the car. So I stopped thinking everybody's going to surround the car. And then all I heard was get off the track, get off the track. Cause they wanted to spray beer on me, but they couldn't do it on the track. So <laughs> I shut the door of the car and start the car back up and get off the track. And then right when I get off the track, Adam and Adam and Edmund are spraying beer on me. And then obviously when I get out, Brody dumped a whole beer on me and, uh, but yeah, like you said, the moments like that is what makes it so cool. Even though it's so hard to take in, in my position, because so many people are trying to tell you a good job. But the moments like that, you don't forget. Um, and then when I woke up the next morning, um, the Camaro smelled like straight beer inside.
3: So. <laughs> so speaking of the Camaro, you said you've only raced it a few times. So how do you take a car you've only ran a few times to the biggest foot brake race in the history of foot brake racing? Uh-huh.
0: A lot uh, of luck. Adam <laughs> Davis prepared it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I drove it at WFC, when I drove it at WFC, I made a lot of good runs. I mean, I bet you I was – actually, there was one point I was 20-something on the tree seven or eight runs in a row, and I don't know if I won a single one of those runs because whenever I was 20-something, they were 20-something. And then the one run I tried to step it up, I was 5 thou red. red. They were 77. I mean, the week there's weekends like that. And, um, I drove really good and just didn't do no good. And then I drove it. Like I said, at Balington only made two runs, but then at the hundred grander, um, it was just like WFC. I was driving really good. The car was even better than what it was at WFC. Cause once again, Adam and Edmund worked on it and made it better. Um, and I was really, really confident the whole weekend. Um, fifth round, on Friday, I ran Bobby Matera in that black opal. I know he makes really good runs, and I was 18 dead five, and he was 13 dead five. So mm. that that one stung, and I kind of felt like uh, like this is going to be my luck for the weekend, and uh, obviously it wasn't. <laughs> Bobby Matera well, I wasn't was at making...
3: the race, guys, but I want to know what did what did it feel like in that starting line area. As the rounds progressed on on Saturday night, and it starts, cars just start falling off.
1: Well, my pocket kept getting heavier. <laughs> were you betting? No, <laughs> no, I was. I was carrying paper towels back and forth to the guys over there. They were spilling drinks and stuff. You know,
0: <laughs> carrying the on <soil laughs> ones back. Um, I think, I think like fifth round is when you really noticed it. I mean, I think fifth round there were twenty twenty five uh, twenty five. Yeah, twenty five. There were 25 cars left. I mean, it's not – it's a decent amount, but you know that round's going to matter. And uh, so that round right there is when it everything slowed down a little bit. That's when people really gathered around, and, and um, you knew that that's when it got serious. And then every round after that, there was more people in the starting line, which is really cool, and under the tower. So it, it was – I mean, it was a really cool scene from my perspective, <laughs>
1: No, and it, and it did feel, you know, it was. I know Jed, Jed, and Steve were busy, and, and Ryan was calling the race, but you know, I was kind of out and about down there, and it was like you could feel the buzz. It was just like, just like the fall, fall fling, with the, the hundred grander. You know, it's like everybody kind of quit BSing with each other, and they're all like almost nervous for the two guys left. You know, it was it was an odd feeling, but you know, and definitely it was it was electric for sure because. Everybody around there had something to say about it. Had some, had a prediction. Had you know, I saw so and so do this. This is what's going to happen, and he's going to do this. And I think, I think Caleb dialing for the road kind
0: of threw everybody off. <laughs> well, it's funny because when Gleghorn announced the final, he said, "I'm nervous and I'm in the tower." And yeah, yeah. and it's funny. I watched that Motor Mania clip, and I get nervous even though I already know I want it. Like, it, it, I'm being serious. It's weird. Like. You go back and watch it, and it it just makes you I don't know, it just makes you feel weird, even though you already know the outcome. But I believe he was nervous. I I don't want to say I was nervous because, as you guys know, when you get in that situation, you're m- more nervous second round than you are in the final, because you're I, it's flo- I, it's
2: flowing by then. I've got no idea. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you (laughs) do. Well, and and the nerves go away when you burn out. I mean, it doesn't matter. Oh, that is it is when you burn out, it just it goes back into mechanics. Just yes, you
0: do. Yeah, but no, I I mean, like you said, it might have thrown people off me dialing as hard as I did, but I was content. The car was so good, and I was I was when it got dark out, I was average. I'll be honest, I was average on the tree when it got dark out, but I was content with if. I go 54-0, and he beats me by 10,000 because I dialed 54-0. And I'll accept it. But I was hoping those numbers were going to fall my way. Um, Caleb, I have one question.
1: Um, so we look back at WFCs years past and, and the, the 100 grander this year. Is there anything that didn't happen at the 100 grander you wish would have that happened maybe at a UFC or a WFC a, a, you know, a year prior maybe?
0: Uh-huh. Oh, the burnout contest?
1: Oh, no, I wasn't saying the burnout contest. I was just asking if there was anything out
0: there that you wish, you know, made a comeback. Uh, well, even if the burnout contest made a comeback, I did not think Hines would be in for me doing a burnout contest in the Camaro the same way I did it in
2: Charlie's Monza. Yeah, you did get
1: robbed out of that burnout contest, just so
2: you know. <laughs> Guys, there will never be another one of those at a Colbert Racing Promotions event at Bristol Dragway, okay? so let's, I mean, I'm I'm just. I mean, let's I quit dancing mind. around it. It ain't happening <laughs> Mm. I mean, my man crossed the center line in a burnout. Uh, I didn't even know what to do. I I, was... I started getting the rule book out. I had no idea what to do.
4: His face was. He's real... from
2: Alabama. He's never seen a rule book,
0: so it was. It was a little. That one was a little excessive. I There's agree. 54
1: pages in this thing. I can't even
2: count that. <laughs> yeah. I mean really still don't know the rule i mean if you cross center line i know you're out but if you do it in a burnout is it okay
1: I, no you're, you're still out you're still I feel, out i feel like race director has final call you
4: know technically if, if you cross the finish line cross center line after the finish line you're out too
2: well yeah. that is uh that is race um director's discretion i think it says in the rule book
3: <laughs> I'm, I, to look I if you're john forrest you get by with that after the finish line thing Yes.
1: Well Caleb Caleb did look like John Forrest in a Monset at WFC a <laughs> <year ago. laughs> uh,
0: That means if if you cross the finish line after the after the or if you cross the, the your lane after the finish line, that means I lost the final then. It's true. Oh <laughs> man.
4: Yeah. At, at, at any trade event you would have yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. Oh. Yeah. Nathan Sexton, so I'd be like, where's my other half this money? Well,
0: yeah. Yeah. hey, I will be honest though when I did grab the brake pedal and, and cut it to turn around. I was like, man, I hope there's not a thousand foot cone on the track because I probably just ran it over. <laughs> Monster truck. <laughs> I really wasn't sure, though. I was like, I'm trying to think, like, were there no. the cones past the eighth mile, but there weren't, luckily. So.
2: No, we take them up just so nobody gets confused on where to race to, you know, big signs yeah. at the finish line and all that. But, guys, there is no center line past the finish line, so you can't cross it. <laughs> There we go we got the rules from kohlberg promotions I, I just
1: just want to throw this out there stone cold Steve thighs actually smiled during the burnout contest i'm just letting you know <laughs> uh
2: that uh you talked about the, the the final round that final round even had steve nervous and he doesn't i mean that's not steve's deal he didn't get nervous when he raced and you know, he doesn't get nervous over these finals but he said man i'm I'm kind of nervous right now. He said, this, <laughs> just watching this. So it was a, it was a big deal and obviously tried to make uh as big a deal as we could out of it. But, um, I, I believe what Caleb accomplished will happen again. Uh, I, I do believe, and I'm hopeful that we can do a hundred grand again, but nobody will ever be the first to do it again besides Caleb. So regardless of what happens down the road and if he wins more of them or whatever, being the first one to ever do something should should carry some some great feeling for the historical value of it.
1: Um, Jed, on, on the dirt track side of the things, we've got one of these, but can he officially be Young Money?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he could. He really could. Uh, right. And I've done some dirt tracking, so I mean, <laughs> I I know Caleb would be a hit out there. I I have dirt track race myself. I've done a I've done a NASCAR race myself too. Really. Yeah, I I call it
0: Online? No, no, in person. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I bought my buddy Kyle Beavers and I bought a uh, little Beretta compact car. And it wasn't our best idea. And I raced it once and I blew it up in my qualifying run. It started smoking everywhere when I was qualifying. I qualified last. And a buddy of mine had a spare car at the track. And said, hey, just jump in this thing and put around. I've never done this before. He said, just jump in this. It was a brand-new car, you know, a compact car. He said, jump it in it and put around. So I started last in the heat race because I quali- – or, no, I started first in the heat race because it inverted <laughs> the qualifying. Well, I didn't know when to start – like, when to get going. So the guy behind me was bumping into me. So I just hit the gas and got going. And uh, I qual- – or I, I finished third in the heat race, and I started – I think I started sixteenth in the main event and got ninth, so I was pretty happy with that. You should be. Yeah, dirt track racing's hard, boys. It's real hard. But it's a lot of I work. Was on, I was on asphalt, and it was twenty-five laps with no power steering, and I'm built like a twig. And if I would have had to go five more <laughs> laps, I was gonna hit the wall because my arms were gonna give out. <laughs>
2: I was going to say, you, you look like a natural round tracker because everyone I've ever seen climb out of a NASCAR at the end of the race looks just like you, about 108 pounds. <laughs> look like a pro stock
1: motorcycle rider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. You are the fast package, my friend. Somebody wants to see how fast their car will run, throw Caleb in it.
0: That's funny because Heinz uh, called me Hines called me on Tuesday. I said, what's up? He said, how much you weigh? I said, 135. He said, all right, see ya. I said, that's all you needed? He said, yeah. I said, yeah. I said Why? He said, I'm gonna put you in my dragster and see how fast you can go. And I was like, okay. He he's been four he's been four fifty, so I'll probably go four thirty. Yeah. Four twelve,
2: yeah. And if if we had a conversation, and he asked me how much I weigh and I said 135, I would have been nine years old. <laughs> I mean, my God. Son. It might be one hundred thirty just rounded up to one thirty five. Oh my God. That's
3: I mean, not what I weighed when I was your age.
4: I weighed that when I graduated high school, and I quickly gained pounds afterwards. <laughs> you hadn't stopped yet, have you? No, it just keeps skyrocketing. It's great. <laughs> yeah, you,
0: you found your headphones, Glughorn.
4: I never did find my headphones. No, these are my girlfriend's. Oh, thank you for oh, asking, though. That's love. It is
1: love. She went. She went all the way to the garage to her car to get these. That's probably why Big Jezn't on video. He had to borrow Jenny Moe's headphones. Probably big pink bedazzled set on his head. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't.
3: So, Caleb, what did, what's the uh, what's the big purchase that you've made now that you've won the Labor Day BTE Labor Day Hundred K
0: engagement ring? Um, well, no, <laughs> e- easy <laughs> um, um We we went to Waffle House that night, and I bought for everybody. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so Bailey, Bailey, and Edmund, you're a giver, were, son. I know twenty four dollars. I think I left like a five dollar tip. Um, oh wow. Bailey, Bailey and Edmund were one at Waffle House, so nobody was really partying, so we just went to Waffle House. So, But that's really, I've not bought nothing so far. That's all.
3: Nothing on the I, uh, nothing on the uh, radar there, huh?
0: No, yes, there is. I got to build a motor for my Nova because my motor blew up the other week. So I'm just going to go out and build a new one. You know, you should sell that Nova. No. Oh, it's funny you, ask, or you say that too. Heinz called me on Monday and asked me to sell my Nova. And I said no. I'm in love with that car. So...
1: You guys have had some really, really nice, you know, Chevrolet-powered door cars. Your dad's pretty well-known for doing a 500-foot burnout in a hardtail dragster. Yeah. Um, if you were
0: to build your dream car, what is it? Is it your Nova? Um. Well, I, I guess it is, yeah. I mean, I had no intention to sell our Camaro, and Bailey loved it. Bailey loved the black Camaro we had. And when I told her I might sell it and and buy a small-tire leaf spring car, she did not want me to, and, and my mom did not want me to. And my dad was even kind of wishy-washy on selling it because it was just pretty sentimental to us. But it was – I feel like it was the right time to do it, and we sold it. And we, Edmund, Edmund and Adam found this Nova, and uh, for some reason I fell in love with those body styles, and now it is, it is basically my dream car. I mean, it's the most clean Nova I've seen one of, one of the most clean Novas I've seen, so.
2: That's easy there, big fella. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't got Treading it on thin ice. Now, your, good news for you is you're only 133 pounds, so you can tread on thin ice.
3: <laughs> <laughs> tell him, Jed, tell him. <laughs>
2: uh, no, Jed. it is beautiful. His Nova's beautiful, and I love it. I want it so bad.
1: Jed must be worried you're talking about Richard Dukes' Nova. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Jed, that you're supposed to play
3: coy. When you want a car from someone, you don't tell them how much you love it.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a good true. point. That thing's ragged, and I'm sure to the rest is about to bust through <laughs> any day.
0: I've only, ran it, I've only <laughs> ran it one time. Edmund and Adam have, have put it together for me, and Edmund ran it and won. And then I ran it the week before the 100 grander, and it blew up, fifth pass. So I've made four, four good runs in it, and the fifth one, it blew up on me.
3: Well, if Ad- Adam's yeah. driven it, it's probably doubled up somewhere. Because I think every weekend he doubles up somewhere somehow. Oh. Yeah,
0: he does. Oh yeah. He,
3: and I can't he get runs. the dude on the list. I got some old stock photo I use of him because it's the only thing I can find of him. And then because he does
4: take
0: corn picture. No, nope. and he doesn't use social media.
3: No. Somebody will usually post something about it, and I'll I'll sneak him on the list from time to time. But it's hard to hard to keep track of that
1: man. All you need to type uh, in Google is scrawny chicken farmer big old head. <laughs>
3: He's oh, an Ross. elusive critter.
2: Yeah, he is. He More
3: steals, steals winner's checks all over this, Alabama, but you can't get a photo or results or, or from anybody.
1: take a picture of Heath and Photoshop his hair out of it. <laughs> yeah, AD
3: is unique. AD so, unique so, Caleb, bit. what's on the bucket list now? You've won the richest paying foot brake race ever. What else is out there for you?
0: Oh, it's obviously the guaranteed million. Yeah. Off the bottom, too.
3: That's uh, what I was going to ask. Off the bottom, same car? Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> I, wish was my,
2: I, wish, I wish it was my Red Nova, but I don't got a motor. so. Yeah, I'm sure you'll get that fixed quick. Adam, Adam, find you a motor. That guy can find anything oh. you want. I
1: think he just posted one for sale, didn't he? Mm,
4: it was probably know. the ones broke.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tell people that. Low runs.
0: <laughs> yeah. Caleb, is it time to finally change your profile picture on Facebook? I've been, I've been meaning to. I've just not done it yet. But Lucas, Lucas
2: told me he liked that one.
0: No shit. <laughs> yeah, it's of his old car.
2: Yeah, and the one he never showed us sold. Yeah, yep. that thing was bad news. All his cars are bad news. Oh yeah. Yeah.
3: So Chad, let's not... talk a little bit about the the the. 100k so what was it like leading up to that thing and what was it like handing out that check to caleb at the end of
2: the night well definitely two different feelings gary uh leading up to it you know a lot of nervous anticipation you know i i love foot brake racers obviously that's what we do we we try to promote foot brake only events or we don't try to that's what we do so we're in love with foot brake racing and and want to see it reach a very high level and always be on the big stage. But I know that that was uh, an expensive race to attend. Um, If it didn't go your way for three or four days in Bristol, you'd leave there, you know, definitely light on cash. So when you, when you have that with foot brake racing, it is something that these guys don't do very often. I imagine quite a, a large part of our crowd spent more money than they ever dreamed they would spend going to the races. So that brought a lot of nervous anticipation a lot of um getting phone calls and messages about the weather a lot of hey i thought that i was going to be able to be there but i can't need to get a refund for whatever reason there was quite a bit of that quite a bit of refunds leading up to it and the weather forecast got better every day i looked at it so those typically don't go hand in hand like at the wfc we knew it was going to be a very good crowd and as the weather looked wonderful, the days leading up to it, just you could feel the energy and and that people were coming in big numbers and they did 550 entries strong. This was just the opposite. I think people started thinking, I'm gonna have a ton invested in this. I'm just not where I can do that comfortably with that kind of disposable income. So it started uh, definitely making me nervous, um, creating a little anxiety, but, You know, you got a job to do, you got to promote it, and you got to believe in it and just hope for the best. And as we opened the gate and Thursday looked pretty good and then Friday was pretty strong with 319 entries, I felt a lot better about it after Friday. I knew a fair amount of the the pre-entries, pre-entrants were going to double. and, and, And folks won't believe this, but I could probably show you a dozen texts in my phone where people were asking what kind of crowd do you think you're going to have for the big one? And I said, you know, it feels like 275 ish. And we landed dead on 275. So that was, uh, I I was glad that I, that that was my feeling and it ended up being right. So I've got some kind of gauge or Steve and I have some kind of gauge now to, to kind of figure out where we will be if we, if we try this again, based on our pre-entry numbers. So a lot of nervous anticipation leading up, get there, start feeling a lot better. Saturday, picture-perfect day weather-wise, it went pretty well. We had a couple of interruptions, a couple of things that caused us some challenges that we didn't want, and the, the race ran a little deeper and longer than we anticipated. But when it was all said and done, the, the energy around that, the staging lanes, the starting line area, the the actual race itself in the final round was Everything we ever dreamed it could be and more, Gary, to be honest with you, um, it, was, it was amazing. It was humbling. It was just uh, a super humbling experience just to, to know that because we had so many people thanking us. And it's really, you know, we, we did gamble a little bit there, obviously, or a lot of bit. But based on what footbreakers have done for us for, for 14 years, we, we believed in it and believed it, that they would make it successful wonderful sponsors helped make it successful so handing that check to caleb at the end was surreal it, it was it was an unbelievable feeling to, to see it finally run to completion and know that it was everything we ever dreamed it could be and then some it was it was pretty dang awesome
1: jed and you know to that point let me finish this sentence before you smack me in the mouth um <laughs> it's weird seeing bristol that empty but it was awesome I mean, it was perfect. Like we yeah. started racing at nine, nine thirty. We were done at you know, on a normal day we got done at eight thirty for for the main event, you know, or for the for the Sunday race and you know, it was it wasn't too much. You know, we didn't you I mean you guys were stressed out because of the Friday gamblers race and on Sunday, but that's part of it. It's part of the weather and it's part of what you deal with at Bristol. But it's just one of those things that like there was not a like hey like we got to go like right now right now right now let's go it was uh hey you know this is going to get done this is how we're going to do it and and you and steve did an awesome job of planning it to the best you could given the circumstances
2: yeah we had a few challenges obviously um but jake i'm with you 100 percent it i had quite a few people that had attended the wfc that came there and was worried about us you know because we only had 319 on friday and only had 275 on saturday uh was kind of the thought process a lot of people had so i assured them look, don't don't compare this with the wfc this is this is really good we're very happy with this but it did look empty there were there were quite a few spots still available out through the pits where at the wfc i mean they were parking at food city down the road you know it was it was nuts that so we took a lot of pride in July and completely filling that place up. And then we took a lot of pride in Labor Day or Labor Day weekend for um, being able to be a part of something that's never been done before, regardless of how the crowd looked in comparison to the, the July event. So, um, I'm with you. I thought it was the perfect size crowd. Really good. We were very pleased with it and it allowed us to have some interruptions that we would not have gotten away with in July.
1: So, so the second annual 100KFC, the tagline could be size doesn't matter.
2: Uh, that can be the private one, yes. I doubt I'll, oh. I. I doubt I put that in the promotion. That's
3: unfortunate. <laughs> so, Jed did it. Would you? I guess you guys announced this last summer, so you had over a year to promote this thing. Did that wear on you, or was that the? It, did that work out better for you to give people time to save up the entries and their time and everything to come?
2: well the answer to that gary is yes it did all of that uh yeah it was 14 months of promotion um you know it took off really quick i think we got i told steve we announced it at wfc uh, at the wfc in 2019 i told him you know i really think we'll get five or six people to enter this thing you know right here at the race when we announced it so we'll just we'll get started with the with pre-entries and and make ourselves feel better about the announcement well it was like 25 (laughs) so you know it was just crazy how fast it took off so then immediately we're thinking well heck we're gonna this thing's gonna get three to four hundred racers in it easy and then you know 14 months is a long time so realize somewhere in the middle of that we need to start doing some raffles did some raffles getting people in and finding ways to get people entered, uh, as inexpensively as we could. And I think that worked well. And ultimately probably what put us over the hump to make it uh, quote unquote worth doing from a financial standpoint is the the amount of people that we were able to get in a different way than just, you know, paying their seven twenty five 25 to pre-enter. So, um, it, it was some all that Gary. It was, you know, it did wear on us, but, At the same time, you know, I I think I can't remember one that didn't wear on me. And, uh, you know, we're we're about to enter our 15th year. So I think if you care enough and you you really see these racers aren't people we just asked to to come race. I mean, we know these people. We we've been beside them in the staging lanes. You know, somebody was there at the race. And every time they would ask about one of the racers, it was one of the Bristol staff members. Every time they'd ask about so and so i need i need this guy to come to the tower change his number i mean i'll I'll just text him they're like god you've got nearly every one of your racers number in your phone yeah i mean i know these people i've been knowing them for years and they've been coming to our races for years when you care that much about your product and you you make promises to people about how the event's going to be and and what you're going to do and do exactly what you say i think it wears on you gary it's it's not it's not a bad thing i think it's a good thing that it wears on you because i think it keeps us focused on making sure we deliver the product that we tell everybody we're going to deliver can you say it one more time yeah y'all y'all need to re-record that
1: <laughs> no 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 say you, you know what i want you to say just one more time
2: program nope oh product yeah oh, fine. <laughs> sorry yeah
3: <laughs> well it shows what y'all did and you know how much you do care the races y'all put on you know the wfc is uh I'm fairly new to paid attention to the WFC just in the last few years, but man, it's, it's like Indy. The U S nationals is what we always considered the granddaddy of racing. And man, what you guys have created there is uh, pretty cool. And then just 14 months of promoting the hundred K. I mean, it was, there wasn't a person around that didn't know that it was coming and the hype around it was pretty cool. So for you guys to kind of have that and, and, you know, give away that big check and, kind of have that behind you at least the first one it has to be a pretty good feeling
2: it was an awesome feeling I, I i would be lying to you if i if i told you that we didn't get some personal gratification from that you know um we could go all cliche and go well we're just happy to be a part of it but it was it had a lot of personal gratification knowing that that we were willing to guarantee it this wasn't some fluke deal where it was just going to pay based on the amount of people that entered um it was this was the real deal. It was guaranteed people could count on us to hold up our end of the bargain. and then when it was all pulled off. It was, it was, you know, really surreal, as I mentioned before. Um, the WFC has gotten some flack over the years. We've had different formats. It started 10,50, 10, 10. We've done 10, 20, and 10, but our most successful format from a, 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 an entry-level Standpoint: the amount of entries that we have has been the ten, ten, ten. It's affordable. It's Bristol. It's July the fourth weekend. People have time off. Uh, their kids are out of school. They're typically not playing baseball or whatever. It just kind of fits perfectly in the schedule for people to to have the um, free time and availability to come do it. And but it's gotten a little flack over the years, the last few years, Gary, because it's it gets big crowds and it quote unquote only pays ten. You know, so there are some foot that go, oh, you know, it only pays 10 each day. So it ain't something I'm going to go to. So, you know, we, we wanted to do something big. And uh, as it turns out, some of the ones that don't go because it only pays 10 don't go because it only pays a hundred. So <laughs> people find every excuse they can not to go, but you know, they just have their excuse. We'll try to put out as good a product as we can and, you know, we we'll get what we get.
1: The same same guys would not show up to the BTE free 100K. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So you know, wasn't supposed people, to say
1: that yet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. A lot
2: of people have reasons they don't go to the track, and it's fine. I, I get I get people that back out each year, and they they give me a reason why they're backing out without me asking, and it's it's a hardship case at times, and sometimes it it, it turns out to not be true, and I, I feel bad because people feel like they have to call me and and make something up because they want their money back. It's your money. I'm just holding it, and you've got an entry if you show up in Bristol. If you don't, it's your money. If you don't compete for our money, you get to get your money back. It's a hassle-free, 100% guaranteed refund if you want it back. And we have had people that's had last-minute stuff happen to them, didn't make the race, and then the next week we send their money back without them even calling and asking for it if you didn't if you had an entry and you didn't show up we send your money back you don't even have to ask us for it
1: some would even say that's how how it should
2: be i was gonna well, say the, the only reason people do that Jed, is because that's not how it always
1: is right so, <laughs> it isn't well, but the whole idea is we
2: want to treat people like we've been treated or like we want to be treated i'm sorry
1: pre-entry is getting ruined uh i think by certain decisions that are being made and you know that's that's a topic for another day but I, that's exactly how it should be you know it, it's you know all of us myself and ryan excluded work hard for our money you know it's not it's not something that we we should take lightly whenever it's somebody else's money especially i, I just, hats off to shonda and jenny mo because ain't no way in hell i'm doing anything free entry i'm sorry or i can't do it but i don't of course i'm not putting on a hundred thousand dollar foot break race either
2: yeah look we know it sucks for the racers to, and we know pre-entry races get run down because you spend your money up front, but Steve and I are just working class people. You know, neither one of us are are financially loaded and it's important that that we know what's coming so we can plan for it accordingly. Had we opened the gates in July on time, on Thursday, midday, and that hit, we would have scrambled for two days trying to figure out how to manage it so it's very important that we know what's coming and we can plan for it and we offer a little discount if you pay up front and commit to it so I don't think pre-entry is so bad I'm willing to pre-enter events and you know the bad rap that it gets uh, people might ought to look at our format a little bit and say you know I think they go about it the right way
3: well, Jed, I think uh us drag racers are pretty much complainers no matter what. So we're gonna find something to gripe about, whether it's really? pre-entry or the weather's too hot or that's too cold. <laughs> he and... says really. <laughs> 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 I
4: never noticed. Yeah. it's uh,
3: just our nature. Caleb didn't complain. <laughs> Caleb ain't complain about nothing, man. Nah. Yeah. Well, Caleb, I got one last question for you and we'll we'll let these guys take another shot at you and then we're gonna wrap this up. But I want to know, I mean, you're still a young man in the sport. Um, you are obviously got a lot of young racers looking up to you right now, but who do you look up to in the sport?
0: I mean, honestly, it's, it's just the no-box guys that I grew up with. It's uh, Jason Ford from back home, Doug Kaplinger, um, Kevin Bishop from my area. He doesn't race hardly anymore, but those guys, like you guys alluded to earlier, I grew up watching them, and they won every single week. One of them will win every single week. And it's even – it's even um, Adam Davis, my brother, since he moved down there, we've got to know – we've got to know Adam a lot more. I mean, just the way he looks at it. And and I look up to him. So, I mean, I'm true no box. I mean, I like racing top, but I'm not as good at it. And uh, I like – I've always looked up to the no box guys.
1: Didn't, Didn't you drive Mikey's car pretty deep in Montgomery? Off the
0: top? Uh, at 131. Oh, that's right.
1: Yeah. I'm no yeah. good at it,
0: but, we're, you know, we're just going to try to cash in. I, I just find myself – I don't know. I can put some runs together, but I i don't know. I just find myself not as consistent off the top. And even though I drove Mikey's dragster deep into the 50, I'm definitely not a dragster guy. I mean, its I like door cars.
1: But I think we can all agree on that. Sorry, Gary. Yeah.
0: Well, oh, driving this, my my thing's driving the stripe. I'm just not used to it in a dragster. That's really all it is. Neither it am I.
3: <laughs> I follow people through like 68 at the stripe and to go dead, two or something. Like. <laughs> Look like a donkey, uh, as Jed would say, but you
2: know. Yeah. What What I like the most about who Caleb just listed there, those are good guys too. Those aren't just great racers, they're good people. And, Caleb, you could tell he's got a good example set for him. Uh, I mean, he had just won the the largest paying foot brake race in history, and he was very humble in the winter circle. He was thankful. He, you know, he thanked God as well. Just all around fine young man, and and for somebody to represent your brand that way with by winning your largest uh, paying purse ever, um, you know, that that had a little extra special feel to it as well. So. Really proud for Caleb and, uh, again, somebody that I I think did it the right way, is doing it the right way, and and certainly will be a great representative for our sport for many, many years to come.
0: I appreciate that. Caleb, anybody you want to thank? Yes. um, My parents, I mean, as all you guys know besides Glughorn, you're all all parents, and you sacrifice for your kids – And they've sacrificed for me, my brother, my sister for as long as they needed to. And uh, I wouldn't be where I am without them. Uh, Bailey, my girlfriend, she's always supportive of my racing and she's there. It's actually funny. I told her, I want you to come to Bristol because it's 100 grand. She thought about not coming and I said, please try and come. You know, it's 100 grand foot break. We don't ever get that. And her and her friend showed up and, and I ended up winning, which was that much more special. So, um, Adam Davis, Edmund, for working on Heinz's car and making it as good as it is. And then Edmund towed it to Bristol for me. He didn't have to tow it to Bristol, when he did. Um, so I appreciate them guys. Greg Hines for giving me the opportunity. I didn't – me and Greg never talked up until two or three weeks before that race, and we decided we were going to do it again, just like WFC, and it worked out. Um, FTI – and um, we all know their stuff's really good performance, transmissions and converters, um, Hoosier Racing Tire, um, Blake and the guys at RBZ for the wheels, all the stuff they make, It's about it. Well, Floyd Racing Products help out on that thing? Floyd Racing Products,
1: yeah. Um, I was just curious, I figured it was, and that's not yes. a
0: thing. Yeah, it is, he does help out.
1: Uh, what, what's Boomer's real name? Edward ah it's edward,
0: over now he's edward, he's done edward james ellison it's 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 over with mm-hmm. i like boomer
3: better he needs to stick with that yeah, so does he so big jet anybody That's you it. want to thank for helping you put on that race i know one company in particular but
2: yeah certainly you know steve my partner um without him not sure any of these events would ever be possible and of course our title sponsor for every event we've ever had bt those folks have been a, a supporter of ours from day one, Gary, and uh, they said yes when we wasn't even sure you know, if anybody ever would, and they were actually the very first company we approached, and they jumped on board. So we've never had to ask anyone else. And Brandon Berenstein at BT has told me we got a lifetime contract that that he's in for every race race we ever do. Which you know, I mean, how how humbling is that? And then our you know our, our racers and our sponsors and Bristol dragway and of course our Coburg racing promotion staff all those people put so much into this event and and every event we do trying to to make sure that they deliver on our promise and you know so far I think it's been a successful model so very thankful for for all those people that help us and you know Hodge and Gleghorn and J.J. and Steve Riggins and people on the microphone. You know, we talked about how epic that moment was, that final round leading up to it. The guys on the horn have a huge role in making sure that 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 is everything you want it to be. And those guys did a phenomenal job, as they always do. So I appreciate you guys as well and, and, you know, couldn't, uh, couldn't dream of it being any better right now. Just foot brake racing's at uh at its peak it's going well for us and other racers that other promoters that, that do these events so just uh really excited about 2021 can't wait to see how it plays out
1: yeah yeah and one of those things like we we, we were pretty fluid on the microphone all weekend and we a couple of times we were like jj we like we need you here for 20 minutes you know and he's like oh you know he's still a kid you know of course you don't want to have to be tied to it yeah. but he he does it and you know JJ, you know, seeing him progress, you know, I say this every time we have a conversation, but seeing him progress is like, it was like baby steps there for a while. Now it's monumental because now JJ knows the people he knows, you know, he knows the backstories and he knows, you know, how a lot of those guys drive. And, you know, he was, he was a huge part of it. And, you know, we were out, you know, I was carrying paper towels to, to my, my friends out there late in the rounds of the (laughs) hundred K they were like, Hey, aren't you going to go up there and announce it? And I, you know, we, we knew it was Glaghorn's final round of call. You know, it's it's, it's kind of his thing. If you weren't going to do it, it was Glaghorn's deal. And I think listening to you and Steve call the first pair for hundred grand though was pretty epic.
2: Yeah, that was – I mean, I never we, dreamed we had he to, would come in there with me.
1: Had to shove the mic down his throat to hear his vocal cords, but yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was awesome just having him in there, whether it was heard or not. You know, I heard it, and I, I'll never unhear it, so I was – I was very happy about that, excited to have him in there with me, and, um, you know, his son and my son ideally would take over this brand one day, and Dylan is a is a major part of the event now, and uh, that's Steve's son, Dylan, he's he's uh, the guy that played the, the national anthem on the keyboard and, and played it when Steve Riggins sang it, and Dylan sells t-shirts and works the gate. And, just a, a fine young man. His daughter, Sarah, uh, is very helpful running around doing everything she can. So, you know, it's, uh, it was really cool to, to have the whole family involved. And then for Steve to put icing on the cake coming in the booth with me to call the first pair out for hundred grand was, uh, was extra special.
3: All right, guys. Well, to use one of uh, Big Jed's term, we're going to stop gas bagging now and uh, let Jed go to bed because it's well past his bedtime. <laughs> and uh, Caleb, congratulations again on your win. It was amazing, uh, history-making, and very proud of you, young man.
0: <laughs> thank you. I appreciate
2: that. And, and Jed, thank you and uh, Steve and the crew for putting on such an epic race. Uh, Gary, no you know, no thanks necessary for that. I, I definitely want to reach out to uh, Jessica Hicks and, and thank her. She's a drag champ representative. She was doing our post-race report every day and uh sending that to me and obviously doing some for drag champ as well but i want to thank you as well um you burst on the scene man really hot and heavy with this drag champ thing and you know you start seeing drag champ this and drag champ that and you, you don't really know what it's all about and then i got to meet you and understand what your mission is and your goal for this and you truly are in this to to boost our sport um get it in everybody's line of sight, which you're doing extremely well with you and your team are doing. And, you know, it's a, it's a heck of a product you got. And as a racer now, I do have a little something I want to mention because I'm a racer too, but as a racer and a race promoter, uh, much appreciation to you and your team for what drag champ does for us. Uh, I, I don't think you guys are great at getting the results because you talked about uh, the racer of the month trophy that was back there that you know Caleb in the running for um i did win footbreak at holiday beach july the 11th so i'm not sure exactly how you missed that but um you know if you want to go back and award me something that's fine if you don't i'll I'll get over it I
1: mean, you, <laughs> you, you were you were all like
2: It was a seven-way
1: tie for 11th. Don't worry. (laughs) Get rid of the ties on the top ten list. It's hard,
3: man. It is hard to compare (laughs) who's – in who's out tell I mean, them to do better next time? Do we need a
4: decision maker? Because I would um, love to be that decision I'll, maker. I will be a decision maker. You know what? Yes.
3: When I can make double o shit show for for some of the things that we do, I think <laughs> we're right on track to our audience. And uh hell, now we've added a top ten for the juniors each week, so we just that's, keep adding to the misery. But
1: that's that's not fair because I've also been on double o shit show and it's not for anything good. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a profile picture, it didn't work out very well for me.
3: That's true. <laughs> well, Jed, I appreciate the kind words. Look, we've got a big yeah, team man. at Drag Champ and we are Trying to, uh, you know, make this sport something better and do our part, and uh, it takes a lot of work. But man, I can't tell you how thankful I am to have all the people that help us. It is definitely not just me by any stretch. There's a big team, and uh, it's fun doing it. It's uh, been more rewarding than I thought, and we're just glad somebody pays attention to us. So,
2: well, dude, you're uh, you're doing a heck of a job, you and your team both, in, in highlighting so many talented racers for the things they're accomplishing on the track and. Um, I assure you, I don't know if you hear it much from them or if people are are too quiet and humble to say it. But when somebody accomplishes something just like what Caleb has accomplished here, and you guys blow it up through your through your channels and, and your network, um, Caleb might not would be willing to to talk much about it. But I assure you, it's extra special, and you you feel even better about what you've accomplished. So you guys keep doing what you're doing. I know people appreciate it. We appreciate it. I think if I'm telling off, I
3: think Caleb had messaged me a while back. What, a couple of weeks ago, was it you that messaged and said, how do I get on drag champ? Yeah. And I said, you got to win something big. Yeah. that was. That was <laughs> I think I remember that conversation about two weeks Dang. ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing I thought of when I go on Facebook <laughs> no. and see that he won. I went, okay, did something it's more, big. It's more <laughs> of a ching <laughs> than a ding. <laughs> All right, Jared. guys, thanks a bunch. We appreciate you guys coming on with us. Yeah, we Cal- love talking Caleb about. Caleb, what's to – Hold on, Caleb. Oh, got yeah.
0: to uh, Uh-oh. Say, but it's fun. No, Jared alluded to it. He said, you know, if you notice it, but he's right. I noticed on the drag champ video of the Motor Mania final, it had like three or four thousand views. So that is cool, you guys what Jerry said, you guys do so much for our sport and you get us the attention that I feel like sportsman racers and bracket racers deserve. So it's really cool what you guys are doing.
3: Yeah, we appreciate it. Our 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 views of some of those final rounds. We get some that uh, you know, after after about a week they'll have twenty to twenty thousand to fifty thousand. We've even had one that hit a hundred thousand views just one final round. So Right. Um, I didn't know there was 100,000 people that gave
1: a damn about drag racing but uh or sle sportsman drag racing but they're out there so uh, and and Caleb to answer your question how do you get on drag champ Ryan and I are never going to get on here for anything good so we had to host the show so
0: <laughs> I think that's
3: why they were yeah. pushing to do a podcast
0: you guys are more like the o shit show type yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thanks, I think he's I talking think about you and you and Ryan
0: Just my too. ass too <laughs> hey Glencorn, real quick before we get off here, it is funny. Leading back or or talking about your Thursday final. We went to dinner because we all lost early. Me, me, Green, Edmund, and we saw you're in the final and we saw at four cars. It was you, Nick, Charlie, and was it Dissinger? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, Did Glegcorn really beat Nick Hastings at four cars? <laughs> <laughs> and they said and they said no. I was like, Okay. Uh
1: well, no,
4: I, no, I beat the guy at the choke cable.
0: Yeah. yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. well, I oh, just, just want to yeah, point better, out – We better not talk about that. We'll be on here for an hour talking about that.
1: I, I thought Thursday was going to end our weekend real early because Ryan's like I, – I walked by him as he was under the tower, and I'm like, are you dialed that? He's like, yeah. He had Lucas. He dialed down like 300s. He's like, I'm going to spray to get there. I'm like, oh, here we go, you know. He's four, take three. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <yeah. laughs> Yeah, okay.
2: well done.
3: Yeah, that's how you take out Lucas Walker. That was uh, yeah, that was brutal. But
1: no, uh, it has been awesome having you guys on, Caleb. I'm sorry that we're taking up your time to listen to Jed Gasbag. I'm not sure why he does that. He does <laughs> it's the Jed show every time he's on it. My apologies.
2: <laughs> um, always got to make it about me, don't I?
1: This is one of those episodes that people realize Ryan is actually on the show. Um, <laughs> because we're talking about foot brake racing and something he cares about, so. Yeah, I get excited for, for certain things. Yeah, well, this happens to be <laughs> one of them. Thanks for coming on, guys. Jed's got a, to sell Caterpillars and Caterpillar accessories tomorrow, so. yes. Hope you Love guys – uh, I'm not sure what Caleb's going to do tomorrow. I think he quit his factory job.
0: I got, a, I got laid off due to
1: COVID. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I remember that conversation because yeah. – Yeah. We'll talk yeah, – we can't say that on the air because the IRS <laughs> – uh, Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cover mom. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta bathe my dog tomorrow. That's all I gotta do. Is Cut that the what they call it?
2: Cut the grass and bathe my dog. <laughs> is that slang for something, or?
1: <laughs> well, make sure you watch the cat in the process. <laughs> oh my god, we're uh, off the rails.
3: We got off the rails. All right, I'll see you guys at the Guaranteed Million next month.
1: All right, love you guys. guys. See you there. See you, you too, buddy. <laughs> What is wrong with us? <laughs> well, other than, other than everything.
4: Oh my gosh, that was that was a perfect way to end that. I think that yeah. was
3: that was perfect. All right, look real quick. You got to tell me about this gamblers race. I'm super impressed with what you guys did. Like honestly, I know we've given you a lot of flack, but I looked up and I'm like, you have got to be shitting me.
1: Leghorn drove it. the hook
3: and hillbilly to the damn final. I mean, so I was impressed.
1: Let's start this out, okay? I'll I'll speak for Ryan for a minute and let him take over. But I rolled it out of the trailer and I said, hey, I'm going to make a shot in a sink I don't know if it's going to shift. He said, what do you mean? And I said, I've never shifted on an RPM. It's always shifted through the timer, and the delay box. <laughs> so we roll up there and we make a shot and we're going on the racetrack. The wheels cock, you know, 90 degrees to go straight. We're turning right to go straight. I'm like, man, this doesn't feel right. I haven't driven my car since March. And you know, I, I've had it aligned since then. What I didn't think about was I had the rear end aligned. Well, the rear end was lying off the front end, and I don't think it was correct from the get-go, but that's neither here nor there. Um, however, he makes a couple of runs runs, and he's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of all over the place. It made a pretty good move down low, and I'm like, all right. So round one rolls up. I'm like, hey, by the way, <laughs> I just moved the rear end over, like, three inches to the right. I messed with the shocks a little bit. It might go straight. And he goes up there, and he's, like, low teen. Every shot on the racetrack, he's high-o like, and low teen, hit the bottom. I'm like, We might be working with something here. He misses it one time. He's 40 something and he gets away with it. And I think his guy turned it a couple of thigh red. Other than that, like every time he left the starting line, it's not like I looked at Tara and thought he's going to fucking do this. Like it's like, he's got three hundreds advantage. Like Helen Keller's not going to fuck that up. And it was, it was brutal. And whenever he told me he's going to spray to get there on Lucas, I was like, well, I mean, if he does this correctly, I think we're sitting pretty good for the weekend. That's, why i decided to not drive my car that weekend you know once you have somebody that is driving really well like he was there's no need for me to get in it just to I, let's face it, i don't have a, a, a prayer chance in hell off the bottom and that's what i told everybody that asked me you're not driving your own car no it's making me money i'm not i'm not touching it so that's that there's your reasoning
4: yeah i mean thursday first shot i make making it, it goes left i'm driving like it's a sprint car all the way down through there. Uh, he made he made two shots in it, and I made two shots in it. I made a time run. I was like five pair before first round. And uh, in years past, we couldn't double in the gambler's race, so he had already decided he was going to drive Mustang in the gambler's race. All right, that's fine. Um, and then I've just kind of found this rhythm, and everyone knows. I mean, you. I've been Bristol twice, and I've been terrible, like, top 10 worst on the property. If you were to ask me, uh, and is it, I mean, I don't really fit in the hook and hillbilly, which I don't <laughs> think anyone really fits in the hook and hillbilly. I told him the first time I got it, it's like, it feels like I'm in my old dragster. Cause it's got funny car cage. And it's like, there's no way it's like 23 inch wide. It's gotta be 20. I'm crammed up in there. My, my left knee is like in my stomach, which I got a whole lot more stomach than Hodges got. So um, it's a little bit of a challenge. Uh, But, no, it's like every time I swap feet, I'm like, that was actually – I actually feel like it was pretty decent. My wind light come on. I'm like, okay. And then, you know, I was ducking and diving for a little bit until I had to run Lucas. And I was like, well, you know, I really uh, don't want to sit – because the whole day I was like holding four, spraying to hold seven up until that point. And then I was like, all right, let's just change it up on him, see what happens. And it worked. And then the next round I got to run Cooter, who, you know, I have – I have a whole lot of respect for Lucas. I have just much, if not more respect for Cooter uh, yeah. for what he can do off the bottom, what I've seen him do on the long track. And uh, if anyone's ever seen him race locally, he did, destroys no problem raceway in a stalker or in a super stalker. He uh,
3: destroys stock and super stock in a stock. Yes.
4: Oh yeah. Um, so I got past him at 13 and then they give me the buy at seven. And they're coming over here asking me to take the hood off. I'm like, wait, am I like to a point that y'all actually have to check my shit? Also, a little bit worried, because I have not looked underneath the hood of this thing the whole day. I actually drained the puke take in the staging lanes for the first time that day. <laughs> and uh, I get disinger at four, and I'm like, all right, you know. And the, I got kicked out of my lane, which I was shocked that he swapped lanes. And he turns it red, and I'm like, shit, we're going to the final on Bristol. And then I missed it against Charlie, and I'm still a little upset about it. But, you know, Charlie's my buddy. I'm glad he won. Well, if I was going to lose somebody, I'm glad it was him. And then... <laughs> You know, just, like, even going through the rest of the weekend, I never really drove bad. Like, Friday I lost fourth round. I was, like, 16 take 12 when light didn't come on. And the 100 grander, uh, when I lost my last entry, I was 14 take 11. My guy is seven total. Yeah, and then Sunday I lost at six uh, to um, Brian Cerruti, and he was 24 total. I, I missed it a little bit. I was 22 on the tree. So, no, it was really – it was a whole lot of fun. So, you need uh, a
3: faster foot brake car to foot brake yeah, is what I mean. Yeah,
4: yeah, Then that's pretty much what I told Tara. Like, Because we've been talking about buying race cars because she wants to do a little racing whenever we go places, when we're after work and stuff. I can and set her she, up in an O2 undercover. She would love that, actually. <laughs> uh, I'll even but, leave uh, the drag uh, champ
3: stickers on for it for you.
4: Uh and she'd been what do foot brake racing and stuff, and I told her after the weekend, like we're gonna have to buy something like this because that's about the only way we're ever gonna make any money of this or do any do any good around here. Because it's, I mean, I'm not gonna say Division Four foot brake racing is as tough as it is in Bristol, but it's pretty freaking tough. Whenever you know when you get down to like ten cars, it's gonna get nasty every single week. So that's uh, for sure. And I, you can name
3: off. I bet you can name off fifteen people right now, just at any given race, and just kill
4: you. Yeah, I mean, you know, most of them were on Team Ardmore this past weekend. No big deal. Uh, 2020 bracket final chance. Yeah, uh, congratulations. Yeah, but over 20 points. You know, it's not that big of a deal or nothing. A, we were is in that every final. That sounds like I'm, an ass whooping. I mean, some people would, would say that it's an ass whooping. Uh, we also swept the gambler's race. Oh, and we were in every final besides motorcycle. Um, but, you know, I'm not bragging or anything. Jake,
3: when you want to get him excited, we just need to talk about Ardmore winning the bracket finals. This is the most excited I mean, I've no, seen.
4: Like I, was, I was excited to go to final in Bristol. You know, Damn I points, this, racers. Yeah, and I've got this little checkup here that I'm going to cherish forever. But what after finishing second two years in a row, us winning the way we did, uh, it feels really good. And I don't even care about the ash chewing. I'm going to get in the managers meeting this year uh, trying to get rules changed. Uh, it's going to be completely worth it.
3: Yeah. That's a good job.
1: Did whenever they pulled the hood off in the staging lanes, did did they like have the surprise look that everybody else does that it's actually decent looking under there? Um <laughs> a little bit. You see, it was me, Tara, Jed, and Poo
4: Poo Pasquale. Uh <laughs> Poo Poo Yeah. And I think he was like he kind of looked at He's like, damn. But he was like half drunk at that point anyway. Yeah. So I think anything was gonna impress him. Uh that's <laughs> not like he's gonna find much either. Which <laughs> That poor guy, he made... I, I don't really want to put him on blast on the podcast. He. I think he did uh, do it to himself on his well, own more you on know, Monday.
1: The thing is, is, he's not used to going to big money races like this. What had happened, what had happened was... I'll let you tell it. Poo Poo won first round, both entries. Poo Poo assumed re-entry round was round number two and lost both entries. He
3: put it on his Facebook page.
1: <laughs> which sucks, but at the same time, like... St- not the only person's ever done it
3: Mm-mm.
1: but you're only gonna do it once
4: <laughs> oh i guarantee you don't do it more than once
3: he lost both entries in the second in the, re- in, in re-entry, in the re-entry round, round. and
1: he was, round. He, yeah, he was already one first round he's already going to round two ouch it's kind of well never mind we're not gonna go there
3: look i'm i'm a little new to all this big money bracket racing stuff i have to ask a lot of questions i know some of them sound stupid but you know i'm I get it. So, I laugh just cuz it's it is funny and he did mention it on his page, but uh yeah. It's a Gary,
1: h- How confident are you in your J Allen Sherman new bullet? How confident am I? Yeah. I'm always confident
3: in what J Allen does. Sweet,
4: we're doubling at Halloween race.
3: There you go. Great. <laughs>
4: Motorple- motorplex supposed to have a Halloween race. Oh, okay. Or CP supposed to have a Halloween race at the motorplex. I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm driving the truck. You're Track. driving the truck? Yeah. I w- I probably won't even be there. I'll probably go to Vegas that weekend. Oh, All right. I have
1: to go to Vegas that weekend.
3: So, look, uh, guys, i got to run. We've been on here an hour and a half, so it's time. But i got to, I got to just – you know, we talked about Caleb, and, and that was no shock. He had mentioned to me, you know, uh, I told him, I said, well, no one was shocked, you know, and about you winning that thing. And I, I think that's true. But what about Sexton and the damn eight-second Mustang that just keeps winning? And it sounds like he's driving the shit out of it down there too. And, and
1: to no surprise, it's Jamie Holston's buddy, like the guy in Nathan Sexton's corner. After you know it got down to the nitty gritty, was Jamie Holston. It's like, wow, you know the you know the not the rich get richer, but the uh, experienced get experienceder.
3: Yeah, I mean it's pretty oh, impressive. Yeah. That's the second race in a row that we've had at Bristol that a uh, basically an eight second street car, you know, was right there in the mix. So. Oh yeah, was, and he
4: was doubled late.
3: Yeah, and then I mean, I, I, when he was on the he I mean, when he won the Colonial Classic, he won ten grand there. Come back three weeks later, and he ran himself in the fifteen k final at at the Loose Rocker race. I was looking back. If you go on his Facebook page, I mean, he he won a five grander in July, and I think he was in another big money final maybe
4: right before that. So I mean, it's not like it's something new. No, I mean, and loose change kind of. Call or me. Jake on the bus, but he, he called it, but I I mean I'll be honest, before Jake's Calcutta, I hadn't heard of him and I try to stay on top of foot brake race as much as I can. And then he goes and goes on a run like this, and I mean the year's not over. There's no, still no, no. I mean there's still quite a bit of money to win off the bottom this year. With yeah. all
1: due respect, and I mean with all due respect, if he would have just said the slow door car from Piedmont, I'd have be been like, Okay, I know who you're talking about. I just <laughs> didn't know his damn name, I'm sorry. <laughs> So, Nathan Sexton, I am sorry, and shout out to you because he had some random chick come up to him afterwards, not Caleb, Nathan Sexton, can I get a picture with you? And I'm like, (laughs) I may. hey, hey Ryan, you know
3: what I've learned by, by doing this podcast with Jake is one, he never listens to the damn thing. So he's not one of the thousands of downloads we get every week. And two, he doesn't read the top 10 list. So, I mean, is he a real racer if he does do read one the top of those 10 two list, things? I just
1: get lost in all the ties. <laughs> it gets so <laughs> long, Gary. <laughs> the top 37 list is incredible.
3: Say what you want. It is the most popular thing going on in sports from drag oh,
1: racing. Oh, I, I agree. I, I love it. I know why you do what you do, and I don't disagree with it. And
3: I can tell you uh, one thing while we're talking about it. Every week there goes somebody's going to email me and say, hey, by the way, you missed this person or missed that person. I'm just going to tell you, I get text, emails, Facebook messages, Instagram messages. I get random just, hey, I was in a final. I can't keep up with all that stuff. If you People want to be in the top 10, say that you if you want to be able to consider for the top 10, 6.30 Monday night, there's a post that says nominations. You put a picture in there. You tell me where and what they did because we just don't know every single racer in the country. And we don't know where know. they won and where they've been uh, on
1: fire. Everybody that, that messages me, I'm like, I was like, just message Gary Don. I, just, I got nothing to do with it. Just yep. message Gary Don. You want his phone number? Here's his phone number. <laughs> All right, uh, let's wrap this thing up. It's late. I don't have to cool. work
3: tomorrow. Yep, same here. All right, man. What else you got? That's it? We're done? Mm,
1: I think that's it. Congratulations to g for another $100,000 race final round win. Yep. Uh, I will say
4: shout out to Ernie Humes. 40Ks, 140K off the top and 40K off the bottom now. Yep. And so uh, RIP PRI for 2020. Wait, repeat yep. that. You cut out. Uh, RIP the to, to PRI show for 2020. Uh, they just
1: decided they're, or they now say they're canceling PRI for this year. Maybe they can just take a step back and get like all of the fans out of there and get more of the industry back in there. But that's yep. just uh, people going there looking for fucking autographs. That's not what we're there for. It's a now. It now it's a circus. But anyway, that's not, that's not here nor there. All hey, right.
3: Monza and "Murder Nova were there last year." Now, wasn't you standing in line getting an autograph? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a ton. See you next week.
4: See you guys. See you.